0: Welcome to the Moonshots podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, joined by the one and only Chad Owen. Hey, Mike. Hey, good morning, New York. Good evening, Australia. Thank you. And it is uh, with great delight that I've stayed up late to record this very exciting show. And I thought it would be... Helpful for everyone that we actually mentioned this is June 30, because as you'll know, our listeners last week found that uh, the timing of our show seems to be very important. So welcome one and all uh, here on June 30 for our third episode. And uh, we're going to go and learn from some of, if not one of the greatest ever innovators, not only of our time, but I think of history And we're going to grab lots of inspiration along the way. So, Chad, who do we have for this episode?
1: Jeff Bezos, who's known most for founding Amazon.com. But as we will find out later in the show, he's uh, spun off many other businesses and acquired
0: many businesses along the way. He's like, you know, he is so busy. He's not only just doing Amazon, his laundry list is is off the charts. But uh, before we get uh, into Jeff, now that the show has been going for several episodes, I think we, we need to touch into the, the famous uh, Moonshots news tracker and um, both uh, Elon and Travis who have featured on our show uh, of the last few weeks have been busy. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Chad, but did you actually realize that Elon has and his boring company has actually started the boring of tunnels in Los Angeles? I didn't until very like a few days ago. I didn't realize that they had actually even started. I thought they were just in discussions.
1: Yeah, no, I I thought they were still just doing the testing out in the
0: desert. I had no idea that they were already underneath the city. So, um. The, the news is that they've actually con- completed the first section of uh, their first tunnel in, in Los Angeles. And uh, I, I was completely floored by this. The speed at which uh, Elon moves is, is pretty tremendous. So it felt like only a few weeks ago they were uh, having positive discussions uh, with the... Uh, the different bodies that that govern transport in, in Los Angeles. And already now they've completed the first section, which is pretty breathtaking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty hard to believe how how fast he moves. So very exciting to, to see where that um, brings the whole idea of tunneling under cities. And if you're interested in that and much more about Elon, you can go and listen to our very first episode, but really that news is kind of trivial compared to what happened in the last week with, uh, Travis Kalanick uh, the now former CEO of Uber. What, what did you think when you, we just recorded the show and literally later that day, the news came out, what was your first reaction, Chad? I, I think we saw it coming. Um, I don't think we saw it
1: coming quite as soon as it had happened. Um, that was actually quite a shock to stop podcasting and then open up the, the New York Times website and see that the investors had uh, essentially given Travis an ultimatum to step down as
0: CEO or he'd be forced out. Yeah, um, it, it was um, pretty dramatic uh, stuff and um, very, uh, I mean, you can, uh, you really feel for the guy. In the space of a few months, his once shiny company is thrust into the limelight for all the wrong reasons, let's be honest. And uh, there's the passing of his mother, the injury of his father, and then forced uh, resignation. Um, nobody wishes that upon anyone. And very ty- trying times for him, I think, right now.
1: Yeah, I just. I, I hope that the, what's it, the council of 13, um, is able to, to interview and vet, you know, a leader to take the helm. Uh, I don't think you can have a company like Uber, you know, be, c- continue to grow like it has without someone very, um, very strong at the helm. So it'll be very interesting to see where Uber goes in the coming months, Yeah. Um, In terms of their executive search.
0: Yeah. And the funny, the funny thing is that, um, you'll remember our conversation and I was saying, you know, Travis really needed a Sheryl Sandberg and she's actually been named, um, in several speculative pieces as the potential, uh, CEO for, for Uber, which would be in my mind, that would be a, a killer move. I think, um, there's a, young man called Mark living down there in Palo Alto. He's probably not so keen on the idea. Uh, who would you go for if you could uh, put in a new CEO, Chad? Who, who, who's your pick for a new Uber CEO? Well,
1: I, I don't know that I have one. Uh, I'd have to give give some long, hard thought to uh, who'd be best suited for that role. Because I think you'd have to be well-suited to respond to the kind of endemic cultural and 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 hiring issues that that uber has had in it in its scale but also be really familiar with operations and know how to launch you know essentially a new multi-million dollar business in a city you know in a matter of weeks um, right. as they're doing as they're continuing to do as they expand
0: yeah so let's let's think about who's floating around well there's there's a there's a very talented lady who's uh, recently become the former CEO of, of Yahoo. Could you see Marissa Mayer perhaps as somebody who you could put in place there? Is 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 that the kind of person? Is that still a little bit too tech? Would you go for someone who's a little bit more large-scale operations? Would
1: I mean, you- I would look into indus- into like logistics industries in something like FedEx or UPS. Um, even someone at Amazon, I think just... The way they've designed their logistics and fulfillment centers, um,
0: I think that kind of thinking could do well applied to to Uber. I agree. I, I totally agree. And in our show notes on uh, Moonshots.io, we will have uh, links not only to to the uh, announcement about the uh, the Boring Company and Los Angeles. We'll also have a great article that we uh, really encourage you guys. Out there, the listeners to to check out, which is the New York Times follow up piece to the announcement um, around uh, Uber and Travis, and they sort of uh, sketch out the last that last day and how it went down. It's great reading. Um, so um, check out the link at moonshots.io, and stay tuned for uh, another big piece
1: of news related to uh, Jeff's newest acquisition, but, um, have to wait a little bit longer, uh, for that as, uh, as we get into the,
0: into the show. Yeah. So we have a, we have a fabulous, um, interview that he did with Recode, which, um, is by far one of the, the leading, uh, sort of tech annual get togethers where the biggest and the best will get on stage, uh, with Kara and Walt and, uh, fantastic interview from 2016. So many goodies in the, in this, um, lots for, for our listeners to learn, to use, and to apply in their daily work. But I just want to take a moment, Chad, just to, to sketch, um, what Jeff has achieved. Now we all probably, everybody knows Jeff Bezos, Uh, And yes, he's been on the cover of Time Magazine as person of the year. He's been named on every single list that there could potentially be. He is even a member of the Bilderberg Group. Um, Now, Chad, have you ever heard of this this little uh, auspicious group called the Bilderberg Group?
1: I've not, but it sounds, uh, what's it like the, the
0: Bohemian Grove, that sort of thing. (laughs) I don't know how Bohemian is, but it's, it's generally considered to be the people who run, uh, who run the world. So it's a very high end group of people. And, uh, Mr. Teal, another famous tech, uh, innovator is a member of Bilderberg as well. And they get together in these annual summits and, uh, generally talk about the future of the world and what they can do to make it happen. And, um, uh, one of those things that's hard to get an invite to, that's for sure. But, um, you know, Bezos for me, uh, Chad is remarkable in so many ways. He's, um, he's really built the company at Amazon from scratch, but everybody associates him with that. But do you realize the amount of things he's done, obviously uh, we have his uh, his efforts in space and uh, his acquisitions of Zappos. But when I looked up the list of uh, companies that he is an investor in, he, he referred the umbrella organization is the Bezos Expeditions. Um, I was amazed at how many amazing companies he's also an investor in. Were you surprised when you saw this list of his Bezos expeditions and all these participations?
1: I think the most surprising thing to me was to find out that he was a very, very early investor in Google and that his investment of, you know, probably just a couple hundred thousand dollars alone, you know, is probably worth a couple billion dollars at this point. So completely outside of building Amazon to like a $450 billion market cap company, this small investment he made in Google
0: so many years ago, he also turned him into a billionaire, too. That's crazy. So how early was he involved in Google? Uh, I, I don't want
1: to misspeak, but I mean, he was in, I think, the very first like official round, um, round and he was kind of late to the party, um, but he was a, he's such a hard negotiator that he was able to get the same terms um, huh. as, 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 the, as the first moving investors.
0: That's incredible. So so let me hit you with a couple of the real standouts for me. So I'm just going to go alphabetically through the list. So this is for everyone listening. Just remember, this is outside of doing the world's biggest online retailer. Here's where he's also invested in. One, a little uh, uh, travel and accommodation uh, application called Airbnb. Um, obviously, he has Blue Origin for his space uh, business. Domo, which is... Really touted um, in the biz as being the long-term winner of business intelligence software, huge valuation as well at, at Domo, General Assembly. For anyone who's trying to learn uh, technology, you'll probably bump into General Assembly. You mentioned Google, um, and then when I when I go through, there's some really in, really interesting sites. I love. Have you heard of Nextdoor? Yeah, I have. Great tool used at a heap when I lived in San Francisco, really taking off as some sort of local uh, community hub. And crazily enough, there's like Workday and a bunch of other cool companies. But one that I didn't realize is, uh, and very close to our show, he's actually an investor in Uber, which I didn't actually know. Yep,
1: yeah. I mean, he uh, has his... I think he's just so interested in the industry and in technology and is just such an educated uh, business person that he just wants to be a part of of all of these companies.
0: That's true. And I think the other thing uh, to note about this, and this is very particular to Silicon Valley, is who comes in um, and invests, particularly in your early rounds, is such a vote of confidence and creates a a lot of momentum. I would even go as far as saying it kind of creates this fear of missing out Um, with a lot of the crazy valuations. I think what our listeners can take away is that once you get beyond family and friends, um, and if you need to raise capital, if you can go and get someone who's really recognized as an industry leader, it does way more than just get money into the organization. It does more than raise capital. It really brings a vote of confidence um, and you can just imagine that Larry and Sergey would have obviously appreciated how important to say Jeff Bezos was an investor in Google in those early times it was such a big uh, vote of confidence for them. I think anyone listening, if you're starting a company and raising capital, really think about uh, very, very uh, special people that you can get. Uh, to come and participate in your organization from a capital perspective, and not only looking at the terms of the deal, but also getting those names on the board, on the shareholder list, as a vote of confidence.
1: Yeah, and Sergey and and Larry from Google actually approached Jeff, um, really just for advice and some mentorship at first, you know, because they were still at Stanford building their search algorithms. Um, at the same time that Amazon was, you know, building out their internal search engines on amazon.com. Um, so that relationship started very early. And then of course, when they came back to him and, um, you know, presented an opportunity for him to invest, he, he jumped at the chance because he was already familiar with them and had kind of been following their story for quite some time.
0: Yeah. 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 Very smart. Very smart. Okay. So let's talk about, uh, this interview that, um, We've pulled some clips from uh, it's the Recode conference from 2016, and uh, it's really interesting because Jeff doesn't go on to these kind of conferences a lot. So we're very lucky to have this uh, this interview to work with, and he's sitting with Walt Mossberg, who's um, he's actually just retired, but he's a very famous uh, reviewer. Have you ever read any Walt Mossberg um, reviews or interviews, Chad, when you've been thinking about that next Mac? I can't remember the first time
1: I came across him, but yeah, he's kind of one of the, I'd say three or four, you know, technology writers that I'm sure to to read um, whenever some, you know, new fangled piece of technology comes out.
0: Yeah, and he's definitely sort of the grandfather of the thorough consumer electronic review and he sits down uh, with Jeff. In a very far-reaching, uh, I mean, they go everywhere. I mean, it was it's it's a really broad um, and deep interview at the same time, and it was it was just wonderful uh, to go through. it. Frankly, I I picked so many clips; I was so excited, I just got clip crazy. But I, I had to rein you in there. Mike. You did. Mike, Mike
1: showed up with sixteen <laughs> audio clips for us to listen to, which would have made the show about three three and a half hours. So we paired. We paired, we paired the clips down to uh, to
0: much fewer than that. Yes, and thank you for that. My excitement really shone through. And, and I want to say that um, to all of our listeners, as we go through these clips and decode them and break them down, I, I, I want them to really appreciate the breadth of, of what we've covered and to also know that... We thoroughly recommend going in and watching the full interview, but it's really our job for the for the next 45 minutes is to really break down the thoughts, the behaviors, and the skills that that Jeff has, and really try and build a bridge to some of the practices that you can have today to actually put this sort of innovation uh, in practice. So, Chad, do you think it's time we go to the first clip? Yeah, I'd love to hear uh, hear what Jeff has to say. Okay. So the first one is very, it's a very big inspirational thought. And um, it's Jeff really getting into the role of, you've probably heard of Amazon Alexa and Echo, which more broadly said is, you know, a form of artificial intelligence. And here comes uh, Jeff talking about what uh, these technologies promise to bring and how important it is for Amazon.
2: The, the, the combination of new and better algorithms, vastly superior compute power, uh, and the ability to harness huge amounts of training data, uh, those three things are coming together to solve some previously unsolvable problems. And they're gonna drive a tremendous amount of utility for customers and customers are gonna adopt those things.
1: So uh, is this at Amazon in particular, are you deeply committed to this becoming a huge part of your business and what you do? A- absolutely, we've been
2: working on it. You know, We worked on it um, kind of behind the scenes for uh, four years. We have more than a thousand people dedicated just to Alexa and the Echo ecosystem. Uh, we have now a big third Set of third-party apps, the Alexa skills um, that people have built using our SDK, and uh, it's a uh, and there's so much more to come. It's just the tip of the iceberg of what you can do with these kinds Would of you technologies. Just say, the tip of the iceberg is it the first inning or is it's it the-, the first inning? Okay, it might even, it might even be the you know the first, first guys up at bat. It's really early, and it's a, it's gonna. It's, I think we're on the edge of a golden era. It's going to be so exciting. To-
0: hmm. Okay, so he, he ends with this this thought of, of artificial intelligence and the ability for machines to learn and do deep thinking on behalf of its uh, of customers and and the, it, you know artificial intelligence is so much better than than human thought when it comes to at least seeing patterns and data and and, and digging out that sort of stuff. He's really promising a, a golden era and, and it just makes me wonder, Chad, like when you think of a golden era of artificial intelligence and all these intelligence devices in your home and in your computers and the way you work, I mean, what's got you excited about that sort of technology? I'm most curious to see like, how quickly
1: uh, these types of technologies can learn. Um, I think, uh, I think Jeff kind of hints at this deep learning capability that Amazon has um, with better algorithms, more computing power and a, and a large data set. And I, it'll be really curious to me to see how Amazon can let, cause those are really three core parts of their business with Amazon web services and all the data that they collect on, on people's, you know, shopping mm. habits. Um, I think, uh, you know, the very specific, use cases for this type of artificial intelligence will be really interesting to see. Because, you know, I think we're many years away from the singularity where there will be an all-intelligent uh, machine intelligence. But um, as far as, you know, something that can um, help me do something very specific really well, I mean, just as one example that we use here on the show, there's a, a, a natural language transcribing service um, that takes... I think like less less than you know a minute to transcribe a twenty or thirty minute interview and it gives you with like ninety five percent accuracy um, what what is in that transcript so right. it, I mean, things like that I think are are
0: going to become more and more prevalent that's a great example and because if you think about how long it would actually take a human to transcribe, there's no way they could do it that quickly so that's a great use case I think the 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 thing that struck me about that clip. They have a th- what, was it a, a thousand developers working on this?
1: Yeah, a thousand only on the Alexa Echo right. ecosystem.
0: So think about it, like what startup in the world has a thousand developers? Zero, right? No one has that many. But then think about the scale that Amazon already has just on web services and and retail data. It's incredible. And it 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 would really signify to me if I was an entrepreneur right now, I would ask the question: Well, if the next platform for Amazon is all about artificial intelligence, how could I build products, services, tools that make use of? He talked about. The API that are that where they actually allow third parties to actually make use of their technology, I think that's that's low hanging fruit right now that you can go and attack. But I think the bigger question is, um, it's actually a bit of a juxtaposition to Mark Zuckerberg, for example. He's saying that virtual reality is really the next big platform, and so actually, you know, you have Jeff saying it's all AI you've got Mark Zuckerberg saying it's it's virtual reality there's a lot of big bets going on out there Uh, when you Chad when you think about VR versus AI do you feel like you know Bezos is the man that's got the winner here or do you think Zuckerberg at Facebook's got something? Uh,
1: We haven't done a show on Zuckerberg yet but right now I have to say hands down it's artificial intelligence machine learning deep learning um, and the horse, you know, that, uh, that, that Jeff is betting on, I just, I think the opportunity for these very intelligent, nimble and, and fast apps built on this artificial intelligence platform that they're building is, is going to have much more rapid adoption, um, not only by developers building the apps, but also by consumers. Um, I think virtual reality is, is still a little ways away and augmented reality.
0: Yeah, and I can, I can tell you that, you know, AI and VR both have incredible promise, but building uh, virtual reality environments requires a lot more horsepower and resources than that of artificial intelligence. And uh, that, would, that would really get my vote uh, for the sh- short to, to near term. And I think also what we need to remember is there's a little company called IBM who've built Watson which is a competing technology, but also AI. So it looks like the AI ecosystem is going to get pretty rich, full of a number of players with uh, a lot of resources. So, I mean, I just think it's very exciting just to think about what can come over, over the coming period with, with this. And um, there is some great tools that you can play with. You can actually use a web-based demo of uh, Alexa, which you know we'll put this in the show notes for you. So everyone who's listening can can play with that. So it's it's something definitely worth checking out. Now, in in all of my excitement, Chad, we have to get into uh, this next uh, clip, which is really about the big three of Amazon. So here we're gonna have. Uh, Jeff talking about what, what he calls the big three. And as we're listening to this, I want everybody really to think about how he can strip down this entire universe of everything that Amazon does. He can just break it down into three simple things. And, and here's what it means for Amazon when, when, when he talks about the big three. The three big needle movers uh, in, in my opinion,
2: we've thought this for 20 years, are selection, price, and speed of delivery. Delivery, convenience, delivery speed, and uh, uh, an associated set sort of attributes. And I think there's still a lot of progress to be made on those things. And then, I, you know, I, and, say, and also discovery. And I think if you get category by category, there's tons of invention remaining. You know, I'm very excited about uh, apparel and fashion. Because I think that's a, a a product category where you can do so much invention online. So I don't over a twenty-year time frame. I predict that um, selection, price, and delivery accuracy and speed will still be major drivers.
0: Okay, so this is quite a contrast to the to the first clip where he's, you know waxing lyrical about the golden era and, and the future to come. What was, what was really fascinating for me is that he's like, we've only just started with selection price and speed, and there's plenty more work to do. And he's so right. And all the clues are there. Like this, this just confirms to me he's thinking around drones and, and, um, well, you know what was missing for
1: me—that's uh, kind of the albatross, and I hinted at this earlier. Like his acquisition of Whole Foods, right?
0: Right. Like, Huge, and 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 what what for, in your mind? What's the logic of of this? You know, thirteen billion dollar acquisition. What, where do you see this fitting into to his needle movers and and the, and the ecosystem?
1: Well, interestingly enough, I really see it as broadening the selection, you know, for, for the Amazon consumer. Um, and also kind of this convenience, um, thing that he's talking to the interesting kind of juxtaposition is price, right? Because people yes. kind of know whole foods as whole paycheck. Um, and I think it, the biggest struggle between Amazon and whole foods, I think is going to be around just that is around price. Um, so we'll have to mm-hmm. see how that, that shakes out, but. Um, having that retail network to, for Amazon to then test out, you know, what is the best way to, uh, to, to pick the best produce from, you know, from producers and get it to a retail store and then into a consumer's refrigerator. Um, I think Whole Foods is the perfect customer for Amazon to, internal customer
0: for Amazon to test out all of, all of that. Right. Now here's the interesting thing. I I agree. There's a lot there in, in selection. Okay. But I also would say this is a distribution play. He's just got hundreds and hundreds of distribution centers in the U S like that. He's just picked them up. The other interesting thing is that perishables have been, you know, perishables being food that, you know, obviously perishes over time, requires refrigeration and sealing and so forth, is a really tricky business, that which they have not really mastered, have they? I mean, Amazon Grocery is not that big, is it? No, and it's been around almost 10 years. Really? Is it 10 years? Yeah,
1: Amazon Fresh, I think, started deliveries Uh, I want to say in 2008 Mm. in, in, in the
0: Seattle area. So, so the interesting thing here is this helps them on speed and selection for sure, because they can be much closer to their customer using their retail network. And again, this is like, once you, at at first listen, you might think whole foods, whole paycheck, uh, very expensive Amazon, uh, very affordable, but actually you can see how it fits in. And, and the one thing to also mention here is that the stock price on the Whole Foods was on a on a two three year decline. It really had taken a big hit. Uh, there was actually a scan. If I remember right, Chad, wasn't there a scandal in New York with pricing, with uh, which really kind of started the the turn against Whole Foods a couple of years ago. I don't
1: remember if there was one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there was this thing where um, there was price discrepancies on the weighing of fresh produce um, and it started a whole thing. And what what it really came in, it sort of aligned with was that many of the competitors such as Safeway and Kruger's um, bolted up on organic uh, whole foods and really started competing uh, aggressively with whole foods. So... The net of all of this is that the stock price was very depressed. So Amazon moved in with its buckets of cash, picked it up for a song, and has built out its network and its ability to, to deliver better selection and speed. And Yeah, just like you said, like
1: for, for $13.7 billion, they now have 450 distribution
0: centers you know, exactly. essentially ready to turn online today. Exactly. Now what's, what's interesting around the, these needle moves, uh, and this big three is you can now see that this is why they actually built their own physical store in Seattle, which is all about a different way to discover their selection. And what was really interesting, we didn't actually, uh, the clip didn't actually make our final list here, but Jeff actually went on to say that the reason that he's so excited about what they're doing in physical retail is they're using all of the data from amazon.com to inform the selection of the 5,000 titles that goes into the physical store. So once again, it's just laddering up into just another way to select the right book.
1: Yeah, and did you see the really cool launch video for Amazon Go, their convenience store? No, no, what what happened? Well, it's just it's a really slick video, but Amazon now has a a convenience store, kind of like a mini
0: grocery store, where you can just walk in and walk out. um, Oh, that's what they call a basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all RFID, so there is no checkout. You just walk out, and it already tallies up what you've got and uh, and bills you. So the, the checkout is dead, right?
1: Yeah, and I think just. The work that they're doing there, and this acquisition of Whole Foods and experimenting with a, you know, a retail bookstore, um, we're going to see a lot more manifestation of Amazon in the real world than we have before. You know, usually we're just used to the uh, Amazon being like, you know, the the brown UPS truck showing up with lots of boxes, but um, you know, it won't be long before we can all you know, be walking in and out of Amazon retail locations.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot, lot happening there. And I thought th- what was really interesting about the next clip we're going to play for everyone was there's actually uh, a real art to picking winners here. And Amazon have had their failures. You might remember the Amazon Fire Phone, which was a total dud. So they don't get it right all the time. But what was really striking uh, was when Jeff uh started to get into some of their vision so do you want to set up this this next clip because i i'm really excited to learn how how they do this
1: like going back to the big three it it's interesting how jeff kind of single-mindedly has chosen selection price and speed and convenience as as his core you know drivers of what's going to you know take amazon you know to be successful mm-hmm. um and he's been very stubborn about it over over the years, and so here he is, kind of talking about how he's how he thinks about choosing what Amazon should be working on.
2: The most important things have always seemed um, dumb to industry experts at the beginning. So you have to get really good results. You have to be you have to defy conventional wisdom. And the problem, of course, is the conventional wisdom is usually correct. And so a simple test, like let's go talk to experts and ask them if we should do Amazon Web Services, that would be a huge failure. They would all tell you, this is stupid, stick to the knitting, Um, you've got a great retail business, whatever you do, don't do this AWS thing, it's, you know, you can't possibly work. And of course, that would have been wrong. Um, and so you, 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 you can't listen to people at the beginning when they say it won't work, but you do have to sort of say, what are we doing differently, what's gonna happen? Now let's say you want, you're being stubborn on the vision and flexible on the details, which I think is the right recipe, you want always to be very flexible on the tactics and the details, but very stubborn on the vision and the strategy. And at some point though, you may need to give up even on the vision, so you planted the seed, you, you know, great teams worked on it for multiple years. How do you know when? when is that day where you say, you know what, let's try the next one? Um, and I think it's when the last high judgment champion folds his or her cards.
1: So there he is explaining why it's so important to not only uh, you know, choose a direction, but to stick to it very stubbornly, um, you know, as long as he has kind of some champions around him. Um, this also kind of leaves out a little bit about, I think what's also very core to to Jeff and how he sees what Amazon does is they really are solving their own problems first.
0: Yes. <laughs> and, yes.
1: <laughs> and like, and really truly believing in that, like, well, Let's become our best customer and learn from ourselves and just continue to do that and you know and scale it in such a way that we can take it out to the market. Because he mentions Amazon Web Services. Well, their their website infrastructure was growing so fast that, you know, their developers didn't have you know, they couldn't build build servers fast enough. And so their team looked internally and said, how can we solve this for ourselves and how can we turn it into a platform? And so, you know, they worked away kind of just within Amazon solving that problem for themselves. And people said, you know, you're crazy building these data centers and why? And then, well, of course now it makes sense and it's a multi-billion dollar business. Um, But he had kind of that singular focus um, and stubbornness to,
0: to do it because he knew that he was solving the problem for himself first. And I think that's where he had he has that conviction, um, and you might argue that's where the vision comes from. They see what an operating problem it was for them, and then you're like, "Well, if we solve it for ourselves, hey, look at that. Maybe others have the the same problem." Which is, and he's right. If you if you go back in time, even if I take you back, say five six years, and say, "Hey, guess what, Chad? Amazon's going to be the biggest web hosting company." in the universe, you'd say it's a retail, it's a bookstore. What are you talking about? Um, and I think it's the the courage to hold on to the vision. And what was really interesting for our listeners is you can have like an almighty rock solid vision. But how you get there, like what he refers to as those tactics, be you can be as flexible as you want. And I think that's really interesting as a behavioral approach. Um hold on to the vision, you know, if you see a big problem, but just be completely open to many different paths of getting the job done. And and when you think about the conventional wisdom piece, if I said to you that Amazon was gonna win a golden globe five years ago, you'd say crazy, Uh, uh, winning Emmys. I think they're one of the largest Emmy winning studios last year. You'd say crazy, but the reality is that they have this great vision um, and they'll use all sorts of tactics to get there. And the the craziest thing I learned from, from this talk was he was explaining the flywheel effect of how providing movies and TV shows on Amazon.com helps them sell shoes. The people who watch the most And content. vice versa. yes. Yes,
1: because it's- the shoes help them make the content cheaper <laughs> to provide to the customers. This is kind of this magic flywheel that he, mm. is very core to Jeff's understanding of the business and how it needs to run. And this is something that he learned um, from other retailers very early on in his experience. Um, something I think that he actually picked up from, from Walmart um, is this idea that more customers allow you to make things you know cheaper which mm-hmm. then brings in more customers and that it becomes this virtuous cycle or flywheel as he calls it where you just keep uh, you know improving on those metrics and it keeps spinning faster
0: and faster and faster yes exactly and so what I what I think is uh, uh, something that I take from this is where do you have where can you create this leverage in your business idea or your new product or service. And I think a great example, I'm and I'm just thinking about uh, how he mentions in the, in the talk, he mentions how excited he is about fashion. And anybody working in the fashion world, heads up, when you hear him say that, you either have to um, get on the Amazon uh, boat or, or run for your life because... Uh, when they bring all their scale and selection and price and speed to, to, a, to an industry, watch out. But the interesting thing is I think about uh, um, services that, that have similar characteristics and they use data to understand and to extrapolate and to see patterns. The more clients that get on platforms like that, like I think about Stitch Fix in the fashion world, Um, And they basically use uh, data like Amazon does to improve the recommendations of outfits to its customers. These platforms have this exponential characteristic where the more customers come on, the better the recommendations get. So the more they buy, so the more the customers they get. And it's, again, a flywheel effect. And this creates enormous momentum, which is when you look at the breadth of their innovation from one-click shopping to the world's you know biggest online store to, goodness knows me, AWS and beyond, when you look at that, they have flywheel effects on several businesses operating independently to almost create a meta flywheel. <laughs> and uh, that's why I would recommend if you want to invest the college fund anywhere, it has to be in businesses that have this characteristic because it's it's quite powerful, isn't it?
1: Well, in looking at our own businesses, too, you know, he identified his big three selection, price and convenience and speed, and then just invests in those because he knows that every time he improves one of those, it improves all the rest.
0: Mm, mm, mm. And the crazy thing is, We've only done three of the clips. We've we've got so many more goodies from from Jeff Bezos to come. We're going to talk a little bit about um, getting into space, and he's got some very interesting parallels with Elon, and then he diverges a little bit as well. So we're going to get into that. Also coming up, um, he's got some really some great thoughts that we can all get something from around culture and the meaning of our work. Uh, but before we get into all those clips to come, um, we've got to do your, your favorite segment, Chad, um, you're, you're an avarice reader. You've been reading up on Jeff. What's your, what's your book recommendation for, for this episode? Uh,
1: so the, uh, this, the, the oddness of it was not lost on me. The fact that I'm reading a, a book about Amazon on a Kindle and listening to it through Audible, an, an Amazon company. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's so fitting, right? But, um, I really loved the book, the everything store by the author Brad stone who, um, covers a lot of technology, uh, companies and, and figures. Um, this book was written, um, over a number of years, and to me, gives a a really great foundational understanding of not only uh, Jeff as an individual, um, but also his thinking that led to the founding of Amazon and how that thinking kind of guided each new era for Amazon. I mean, over the past 20 years, they have 22 years now, Um, they have, they've just done so many things. I think people forget how old in, in, in relative terms, a company like Amazon is. Um, but I would just say, um, some of the things that, that stood out the most to me were do a a funny little experiment for me, Mike, in Mm. your browser, open up a new tab. Sure. Sure. And, and type in the domain. Relentless.com.
0: Okay, here we go, Relentless. So I'm re-diverted to, uh, to Amazon.com. <laughs> yeah,
1: so one, one of the early ideas for the name of the company um, was Relentless. And I, I think that that is really telling of how devoted and single-minded Jeff was. I mean, he literally just wanted to take over the world from day one. So he, he registered relentless.com as one of the domain names as, you know, in case he chose that as, as his, the name of the business.
0: So, so let me ask you, um, how, when you, when you kind of decode this idea of him being so relentless, what do you take from that? Like, what's the advice you give to yourself? Uh, how do you use that for, for you and your work and making films? I think for Jeff, it's a relentless pursuit of truth.
1: Um, it seemed like everyone that, that worked directly or closely with Jeff was really taken aback by just how, um, how important you know, core truths are to him. So mm-hmm. that could be the core truth of like, why does this business unit exist? Like, mm-hmm. what is our purpose? Um, why are you as an individual here at this company you know what's your your truth um and so f- for me um as a storyteller uh you know the pursuit of that core truth is
0: is kind of like, like that's the goal that's the treasure <laughs> right and, yeah yeah and i i related to to the relentlessness like he was out there driving the delivery truck like he wasn't sitting, you know, on a throne behind three monitors, writing code. He was quite prepared to get out there and ship the product to, to his customers. And that that all had the hallmarks of this relentless uh, drive. Any other last surprises or interesting tidbits that came to you from the Everything store?
1: Oh, there's so many. I mean, I, I really encourage everyone to read it um, You know, I think if you listen to it, it's about a six hour uh, I'm sorry, a 12 hour listen. Um, There's there's so many anecdotes that I wish I could get to all of them. But another story that I found really interesting is, you know, people within Amazon, the thing that they're one of the things that they're afraid of the most is a forwarded email from Jeff with just a question mark at the top. And what will happen <laughs> is because he's so focused on the customer, everything is about um I think Amazon's mission statement now is uh Amazon will be the most customer centric company in, in the, the world yes, it is Yeah. and you know so instead of you know being a store or anything like it's they're just you know a customer centric company that's their mission statement now, but what happens is you know, somewhere in the customer service ecosystem, um something goes wrong and and Jeff will find out about it. You know, you can email him at Jeff at Amazon.com. Um and so these customer requests will then get forwarded to you know some business unit leader with a question mark and Essentially, that overrides every single priority um, you know, that they have in the system, and they need to, they, they need to fix that problem like, in the next few hours, because Jeff is going to be getting on the phone or coming and seeing you about that particular problem. And I, it was just really fascinating to me um, how obsessed he could be uh, about the customer, which, mm. again, is kind of his core, core focus.
0: And I would say that it draws a very interesting parallel for both Uber and Tesla, who we've covered in the show before, because this shared characteristic, these three incredibly successful companies, is that they have insane focus on solving customer problems, creating solutions that are 10 times better than anything else in the market at that time, and that that is the the interconnecting thought that you can wrap all three companies into the same basket with it's m- making m- making things dramatically best better for customers they're all in some way shape or form obsessed about user experience customer experience and I think that's what really sets them apart um, so that's a great uh, book recommendation it's actually been on my my list um I think you've put me across the threshold, so I'm getting on a plane in two days. So I'll, I'll put that one uh, on there. Actually, I have the have the Steve Jobs one, um, the the bio, which is sitting on there. So that one will get a going over as well. So great book recommendation. Before we go to the last uh, two clips, just a quick recap on where we've what we've covered so far. I think without a doubt. Jeff is very strongly putting us into the upcoming golden era of artificial intelligence. So I'm pretty big for that one, Chad. I think that got your vote. Uh, no VR for you. It's, it's AI all the way, right? Oh, yeah. Deep learning. Deep learning. And um, what was really interesting to, to, to kind of push off that was those real fundamentals of the big three, selection, price, and speed, and how the entire business strategy of Amazon is kind of coming back um, to those uh, three core and essential uh, pillars that he's he's building uh, the business around. I, I thought your clip, Chad, around defying conventional wisdom really gave us a bit of an insight into how they pick these winners that a lot of people on the outside don't pick. It really is, he really does have this ability to defy conventional wisdom, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, and this this next clip I'd like to introduce, um, I think very well encapsulates Jeff's, where, where I think some of his biggest innovation is, and that's around you know conceiving of new business models and new structures for business models around, you know, providing simple services as a platform that other people can leverage and you know, he kind of pays homage to um, everything that was in place for him to be in the right place at the right time to start Amazon so here he is.
2: If you go back to when I started Amazon all of the heavy lifting infrastructure to support Amazon was already in place. We did not have to invent a remote payment system. It was already there, it was called the credit card. We did not have to invent transportation, you know, local transportation, last mile. There was this thing called the US Postal Service and UPS. If we had had to deploy last mile transportation 20 years ago, it would have cost hundreds of billions of dollars of capital, it would have been impossible for a company like Amazon to even conceive of doing that. Same thing, deploying compute infrastructure. There was already a computer on every desk. And it wasn't put on every desk so that people could do e-commerce. There was a computer on every desk mostly in the home so people could play games. And there was also, how did the internet grow so fast? Even there, the heavy lifting infrastructure had already been done for another purpose, which was the long distance phone network. So, when it comes to space, I see it as my job. This is what, I'm, I'm building infrastructure. The hard way. I'm I'm using my resources to put in place heavy lifting in infrastructure so that the next generation of people can have a dynamic entrepreneurial explosion into space.
1: Explosions into space. I love <laughs> I love that uh, that visual metaphor, and I think it's really telling. It, you know, all everything that Amazon is doing aside. Um, Blue Origin, uh, the 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 space uh, delivery company that that Jeff has has started, is is doing it so that he can enable more entrepreneurs to innovate in in space. And it, it's a natural outgrowth of of two things: one, his success at Amazon for building platforms like fulfillment by Amazon, mm-hmm. Amazon Web Services, um, the Alexa API and platform, and Extending it into kind of his boyhood passion for space. And he says, like if we're gonna get into space, we need to make it cheaper. Very, very much um, in of how Elon thinks about it. Um, not so that, you know, Blue Origin can be the company that goes into space, but that Blue Origin can be the platform upon which thousands of companies can then be sent into space.
0: yeah, th- this 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 really fascinated me because. Um, I, I must admit as, as passionate and as curious and interested as I am in Amazon, I haven't spent a lot of time, uh, studying all his space initiatives and I I had just assumed it was a bit sort of the same flavor as Elon, but when you hear him saying, I'm building, you know, I think of, you, you hear the word software as a service, he's building space as a service. Right? He's building like uh, a whole new galaxy of possibilities and putting in all of the essential plumbing for entrepreneurs and innovators to build this whole new uh, universe of opportunity and possibilities. And it's a radically, quite radically different view than say that of Elon and fascinating. Uh, nonetheless, it's, it's actually the fact that he could decode everything that Amazon already had and says, I just need to put the the space equivalents in place and then we'll have a prosperous space economy.
1: Yeah. And I, I have to give him a lot of props f- for taking his wins from Amazon and doing that. Like it, it's no small feat to be launching rock reusable rockets into space, mm. uh, you know, consistently and safely, you know,
0: to, to make that happen. So I guess building blocks in space kind of looks and feels like everything from space stations to fueling stations to all the things you need because distance is, is the real challenge uh, and, and existing power paradigms just, I mean, we can't even get to Mars. So I feel like he must be thinking about – you know, launch platforms where you can launch your own rocket, rocket building services, then refueling and delivery services actually in space. Like it's fascinating uh, how he's just looking to create all those underlying conditions for for a whole entire new galaxy, isn't he? Yeah, I think the kind of Uber strategy that a lot of people
1: have kind of alluded to, in, in a lot of the the writings that I've. I've been reading, especially after the Whole Foods acquisition, is that Jeff Bezos and Amazon want to take a slice of essentially all consumer spending, you know, groceries, electronics, um, computing power, machine learning. And now he's, he's just extending that into space. So anyone that's doing mm. any kind of activity into space, Amazon, he wants Amazon to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. And I would say what this, where I see this being very powerful, we're thinking about, okay, yeah. All right. So it's Jeff, he's thinking about space. Good for him. I don't have a few billion to launch rockets into space. What you can do if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about new inventions, new innovations, or you want to scratch the, the entrepreneurial itch. I think what he's doing is he's studying the patterns of success what it took for Amazon to be successful. And he's then applying that and looking for those same drivers, the same factors in other spaces. So I think this this is an opportunity for us all to to think about an area in which we want to do something very innovative and look for some of the signal, uh, some of the evidence of things that are there that promise success, but also look for some of the missing pieces and we can ask ourselves, what can we fill in there? So there's, there's a real opportunity here, I think, uh, to understand that he studies success, he looks at the formula, and then he applies it into a new space, which, which is really interesting.
1: Hmm. And I'd, I'd love for you to uh, introduce the next clip, Mike, because I, th- I think it's
0: a great kind of ending to our discussion about Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Okay, so I, I think it's fair to say that, that Amazon it has a bit of a mixed report card on culture, depending on who you talk to. They've definitely had some criticism. They do some interesting, really interesting things as well. Um, and this next clip is is Jeff talking to Walt about culture and more more so getting into what drives us every day to turn up and and to you know be at our best when we're at work.
2: I'm very proud of the culture that we have at Amazon, and you know it's a uh, it's a I think of it as a gold standard culture for innovation and pioneering work, and the you know and the people I work with these people who they're missionaries for what they do. They are you know if you're giving great customer experience. Um, There's, the only way to do that is with happy people. You can't do it with a set of miserable people, um, you know, watching the clock all day. And I think for most people, it's about meaning. People wanna know that they're doing something interesting and useful. And for us, you know, because of the challenges that we have chosen for ourselves, uh, we get to work in the future, and it 's super fun to work in the future for the right kind of person
0: <laughs> I like how he slipped in that little caveat in uh, it uh it's 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 amazing the future's great, oh, but just for the right person uh-huh. uh, and I think that uh, I think that he was going for that that appetite for risk and constant change don't you think yeah and
1: just in my research on on the company and Jeff like he really talks about recruiting explorers. And he, he uses the word pioneers and missionaries. I mean, he is, and, and Amazon is looking for a very specific kind of person to work there.
0: Yeah, and, and the, the one thing I, I, I relate related to, I thought was, which was very uh, important for all of us to remember is like, you are not gonna create an amazing product if the work culture is not one where people thrive and are happy and, you know, happy people give great customer support, great customer service. That's as simple as he gets it down to. And it's so true. You know, culture is so abstract, so hard to ma- to manage, but it's essential because it doesn't matter how much tech you have. We saw it with, with Uber, didn't we? Great, great tech, great business model, but found lacking on culture. I mean, that was so evident from the last show, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and, and the Amazon culture has stood the test of time, right? I mean, they've been around for over 20 years now, um, with many employees and executives having been there from the very first days.
0: Yeah, and and when you when you when you sit back and appreciate the scale and the spectrum of what they're doing, I mean, did you know they own 40 jumbo jets to improve last mile delivery? They're, they're the biggest hosting company on the planet. They're the biggest online retailer in the planet. He's he's going on to send people into space and to create the infrastructure of space. He's an investor in some of the best startups. Well, they're not even really startups anymore, but it's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I really think, um, that we sh-
1: should continue to look at Amazon and, and, and learn, you know, some more about, I, I do think that there are some internal issues at Amazon that should be more fully explored because if they don't, then they could run the risk of, of, of turning into you know these kind of scandals that that uber and other companies have been having to deal with so i'm, I'm very curious um, if something you know doesn't come back up um, around that and around the culture at amazon
0: yeah especially with with when you've got a such a high number of factory um workers and people uh you know a large workforce of people that are Close or or on minimum wage, uh, there's a huge responsibility that goes with that. And we, we've really seen Uber trip up on relationships with uh, drivers and and you know the perception they're extracting way too much and and punishing uh, their drivers with very low uh, fees. So it's a very big watch out there. Um, but you know uh, he was he was just. Jeff, when you when you can when you listen to to his ability to speak to such a broad range of subjects, I think one of the big learnings uh, that I had was that it really is important to be more than just a product guy uh, in Silicon Valley. You know, a lot of people praise the product guy. Uh, you know, I think uh, if you look at Snapchat. Um, the CEO of Snapchat, I'm going to go for, you're going to have to help me on the CEO of Snapchat. While you look it up, let me, let me just give you this thought. He's really praised as a, as a great product guy and, and, and people, you know, love, love what uh, the product looks like, particularly in, in uh, Silicon Valley, but there's massive business questions around Snapchat. Does this have any viable business model? Um, and to me, it goes back to what we talked about in the last show, those three P's. You know, I think innovation as a business really looks like people, product, and profit. And you can't cut corners on any of those. I think you need the, the, full, the full set, if, if you will. Um, when, when you think about uh, Jeff and what he shared with us, what are the big takeaways for you, Chad? My biggest learning from, from Jeff
1: and, you know, his amazing leadership at Amazon is the value of him choosing to be so customer centric and how he's let that guide him in absolutely everything that he does. Not only in the growth of, of Amazon's core business as, you know, the everything store, um, but in also spinning up every single um, other venture that he's done, um, you know, over the last twenty-two years, and what I'm taking away is I need to I need to figure out what that one thing hmm. is, what that singular focus of mine is going to be, and then just be completely invested in it, um, because I think that that will, um, over time, you know, pay the benefits. I might not have some short-term gains, but um, I think I'm beginning to see, especially as we've followed three very interesting and different uh, innovators um, you know that that's something that I'm going to have to 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 choose you know kind of what is my north star
0: yeah and i think when you when you see somebody who has their north star what instantly comes uh, with that is their own relentless.com doesn't it they are relentless in seeing that come to life that the dream becomes reality And that's the other thing about him, you know, not only the breadth of his capacity to understand different parts of his entire business, not only his single minded obsession with customer service, but it's his relentless drive. It's his capacity to to see different models. And and, and when you, that clip you had on on space and how he's applying, he's going to build the infrastructure of the space economy. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, I mean, how, I mean, this makes Amazon look like just a warm-up act. Uh, So it's, it's so exciting to see his thinking just coming out like that. And somebody I think that we can, um, can learn so much from. So I want to remind our listeners to go back to, uh, the everything store, um, you know, the book by Brad Stone. Uh, how does that compare to other entrepreneurial books you've read? How would you put Brad's writing?
1: Uh, it's been my favorite so far. Mm. I read, um, I read the Elon Musk Book by Ashley Vance. I also read the Wild Ride book about Uber um, by Adam the Le- Le- mm-hmm. and then the Everything Store. and I, I think that both the writing style and the structure of the book um, worked best for me. And I think a lot of that too is just because Brad Stone's a known quantity yeah. in the industry and and was you know trusted by Jeff and Amazon to, to write the book. It it it, it still remains independent. Um, and he he does a very nice job of of getting into uh, into the mind of Jeff and and talking to all of the employees. And you know it's not just a puff piece. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and 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 the other thing I want to remind um, listeners is the, go to the interview. It will be in the show notes. It's on YouTube. Jeff Bezos with Walt Mossberg at the Recode Conference, uh, May thirty first, twenty sixteen. Uh, it's well worth a full listen. It's fantastic, full of goodies as, as, (laughs) as Chad rightly pointed out, there were 11 other clips that I (laughs) selected that didn't make the cut. Um, but it's, it's full of, full of insight and, and lots to, to learn there. Um, and most importantly, actually, um,
1: we want your feedback. We want to know, uh, what you've enjoyed in the show. We want to know who you want us to profile in, in future shows. And I think we've, we've gotten some interesting feedback so far from listeners, right, Mike?
0: Yeah. So, uh, we got, uh, feedback from two very different parts of the globe, uh, from London, JP, uh, was really, uh, into learning about this, 10 uh, X, but he had a really good point. He said, okay, so that's all well and good for the Elons and the Jeff Bezos as well, but, how do, we, how do we use the 10X uh, when you're uh, maybe starting out just by yourself or with a few co-founders? And I, I would I always encourage folks to, to go to the basic formula of creating something 10X, which is to tackle a huge problem with a radical approach and to use and to seek the role of emerging technologies to play uh, an unfair advantage in solving that problem and just google 10x and look up a lot of work there but you can use that and I, I think starting what we learned from jeff was starting with big problems the customer obsession and matt uh from from the other side of the globe down here and down under he said he really loved uh the the piece around uh travis in the last episode not having his uh Cheryl Sandberg and uh, as we found out later that day it it cost him a big price and um, it's great to see that folks are loving some of the innovation frameworks like 10x but also some of the people and culture stuff that we're discovering from some of these some of these founders so what's next uh chad we've got to think about who who's going to be in the next show who who are we going to cover
1: we are going to take a look at Fred Smith, the very long time CEO uh, and founder of Federal Express, otherwise known as as FedEx. So we're going to be branching outside of, you know, these titans of technology um, and taking a look at, you know, some maybe more traditional businesses, but have had, you know, just as much or even a
0: larger impact on our everyday lives. Yeah, that that sounds really cool. I, I really know very little about Jeff. And so I'm dying to, to get into FedEx and to find that story. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's been around for 30, 40 years. I remember using it when I, when I first started my career. I mean, it was FedExing things to New York. It was, was, was like magic. So really keen to, to see uh, the story of FedEx and, and how that happened. Uh, we should talk about show notes and all the goodies. Where will everyone find our fabulous show notes, Chad?
1: And we can find them on moonshots.io. We can also, uh, you can also find previous episodes um, and, uh, and a feedback form. You know, we would love to have your feedback on any part of the show. And um, especially, you know, who you'd like us to research and profile here on the podcast going forward. And, I just want to say a quick thank you to all of you listeners from the first and second episodes. We hope to have you along for this ride for many more episodes to come.
0: Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to call that a wrap. It's, uh, it's part, well past midnight here in Sydney and it's probably almost lunchtime there in New York. So Chad, great talking again and can't wait till the next episode.
1: Cheers, Mike.
0: Okay, see you later.